welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. So if you like that upbeat, happy music, Caribbean-style music, we're going to focus a little bit on death and focus on Ghosts of the Caribbean, but the happy Caribbean music intro should take our minds off and should keep us all in a very happy place. We're going to feature an introspective interview with Mr. Brad and Miss Casey Wallace. It starts out talking about the ghost, but then it goes so much further. There's a ton of helpful information they both provide. Let us begin tonight's program. Our guests today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show are Mr. Brad and Miss Casey Wallace. They are hosts of the series called Ghosts of the Caribbean. Dead people do tell do dead people do tell tales. Brad had an incredible near-death experience, and Miss Casey Wallace is a renowned psychic medium. Casey, Brad, welcome to the program, and can you please tell us a little bit about Ghosts of the Caribbean? Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having us on your show. Uh, Ghosts of the Caribbean, what a fabulous uh, program that, uh, believe it or not, I had a harebrained idea. Uh, to be able to spend some time in the Caribbean and actually uh, shoot some film and get some spiritual perspective on why there's actually ghosts and why there's actually apparitions uh, in today's world, but also uh, if the possibility was that there were ghosts and apparitions from the early days of piracy. And man, the minute that I started talking to Casey about it in a discussion here at the house uh, that night, uh, which usually happens to us just about every night. Uh, there's something, you know, that we experience. But that night... So, so you experience, you mean like, a, like somebody visits you or a ghost appears? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We, 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 our, our lives, ever since uh, we've decided to go into this aspect of our of our life um, which is teaching consciousness to human beings and being able to communicate with people from the afterlife uh, you know however you want to look at it but ever since that's happened uh, this particular time we immediately had a hit from a young man by the name of Jacob and uh, he had the in fact he's one of our episodes in our programming um, quite a powerful story of a young kid. What was he? Twelve years age. Twelve years of age. Yeah, yeah. So this, yeah, this story, this uh, show came about because uh, we had visited the Caribbean, and while we were there, we were getting contact with pirate ghosts while we were there. And so Brad had a brilliant idea to put just this together in in a show and a program for everybody. So we went back. Uh, on an extended stay and, and did our filming, and it's uh, started to unfold. We've had incredible responses from everybody. Uh, it's just been extraordinary. Okay. What I say is that, um, you know, these, the time of the pirates, was it two or three hundred years ago? Was it around that time? And, and I'm just curious, why would those souls remain there for such a prolonged period of time? What is preventing them from moving on? It's the same issue for any ghost or apparition, Ryan. Generally, what people don't understand is that there's a free will component 
at all times. Some people think that there is something outside of these ghosts or apparitions, some type of power that's keeping them locked, but this is really their own process. What we have found through communications with ghosts and apparitions is a lot of them end up kind of being stuck um, when they feel like they have unresolved issues, obviously, but also sometimes if something very, very traumatic has happened to them and they feel shortchanged in some way. So they're trying to work through some kind of resolution uh, so that they can get movement and momentum onto their next experience. Okay, so what could be some of the traumatic experiences that some of the ghosts that you've come across have had during that period of time that they were alive? Battlefield situations, you know, um, uh, crime, uh, violence, just like now, just like now. And, uh, you know, when you're working in a situation of piracy, you know, you're in criminal activity all the time. So, you know, they're under stress, they're under anxiety, but most of their, most of their deaths were pretty violent. Yeah, what we found... What I what I started finding fascinating about the whole situation was how much how much it paralleled today's world. And when I say that, what I mean is, if you go to a third world country right now and you actually get out and mingle with the people and actually see what's going on outside of what. Uh, everybody else really wants you to see us there, but if you actually see what's going on, you'll find out that these people are are stuck in surviving. It's a day-by-day experience. They'll do anything they can to make their life better. Most of these people literally sleep on the streets. Um, they don't understand what it's like, especially here in the United States. We take all of these things for granted. And, boy, you go down there and spend too much time, and you find out that the struggle that these people go on with, um, it, it's there's a huge parallel there, and it carries over from not only 300 years ago, three 400 years ago, but it carries over even in today's world. If you look at a soul, a uh, higher self, for what you want to call it, that may have several evolutions. Do you find, is there any particular reason why the human soul of that higher self for that particular time period that was in the pirate cannot fully grasp beyond the, its human perspective that this is one of many life incarnations, that the idea of poverty may have been a chosen experience prior to coming in? And I'm just wondering why that particular higher self or the higher selves of those pirates don't extend their hand or extend their their grace in order for those human souls to move on. Most souls don't move on within just a few incarnations. Most souls takes tens of thousands of incarnations to be on to get beyond the altered ego state or what is perceived to be the human experience getting back to the point where they acknowledge themselves as light beings in all possibility and all reflection and all expansion. So this is not just a limitation for a few. This is for the masses here on this earth ship. So current day people here have mostly incarnated tens and thousands of times. So just going back a few hundred years is just like a moment ago. Good, but I'm just, why would you, I'm just curious, why would you have to incarnate tens of thousands of times? Wouldn't you be able to experience the totality of the human experience within even three or four lifetimes or even one lifetime if you had lived it? And the idea of a light being, is that not so much of a, a concept to feel as it is an intellectual concept. Can you intellectually no, it, grasp that concept and still be stuck? 
know, the human experience is all wrapped around the alter ego state, which keeps you in a limited space of judgment and need. It's an extraordinary blockade to get beyond, extraordinary blockade to get beyond. We, we sum this up in what's perceived as seven seals of consciousness. There's seven levels of consciousness to the human experience. Most humans don't, be get, don't get beyond the first three for an incredible amount of time. The good news is this. There is no time after the physical. So these are really just moments of experiences for a soul. And since you exist for all eternity again, it's just a fragment of a particle of your experience. But the truth is that most souls quite enjoy the physical. This is an extraordinary place. It's a plane of creative demonstration of your thought. Okay. Now, other planes of existence, from what you're able to tell, what is the comparable difference between this physical reality and a reality where you are part of non-physical, yet you're able to manifest in a much faster or even from a more profound, beautifying rate? Actually, that's pretty much the difference. So when you're in physical, you are slowing thought down to a very, very low vibration. So everything here is very slow. It's kind of like a savoring effect. When you're out of physical, things come at the speed of light. So things are much quicker and much faster and a much higher perception. It doesn't mean necessarily that it's better. It's just a different type of perception. And we like to liken the comparison to what we just said in the savoring effect. You know, some people really love to take that bite of double chocolate cake and really roll it around on their tongue and then get, you know, engage their their senses, you know, their sight senses, their smell senses. And others like to just devour the damn thing and get on to the next piece. So it's really just a perception differentiation. But what you also have to remember, Ryan, is this. The earthly realm of existence is the only realm of existence that offers you all opportunities and no other realm of existence offers that to you. You mean all seven seals all, of consciousness right. opportunities. All mean, consciousness. What, so, it's an extraordinary point. What does that mean? What does it mean, seven seals of consciousness opportunities? So seven seals of consciousness are the different perceptions. Everything goes from basic fear-based total judgment, total paranoia, um, superstitious actions in which your world becomes very small, very encased, all the way up to what we call the sixth and seventh seal of conscience, which is like a uh, fully enlightened being, a Christ, a Buddha, an id, where everything's out of judgment, everything lives in all possibility of your thought because you accept all thought as a possibility and all variations in between. That's why every single embodiment here is having a different experience. There are no two souls that are having the exact same experience, yet they're all walking on the same realm. It's extraordinary. The variables are insurmountable. Can you please uh, talk, go into each one? Each sure. one of those? You want to talk to about, about each seven, seal? Yes, each okay. seal. Just go. I'm curious, and, and you know, um, I'd like to ask you where uh, what it, what the significance of each one is, and where that could mean a person is on our, where they are in their evolution. The significance of each one is because each one of those seals, Ryan, creates your world for you. It creates your experience here on the realm. First seal of consciousness is subconscious application. It is the total survival competitive application. It's the quintessential, you know, out to get anybody who stands in your way. You truly believe you are solitary. You don't believe in an empowerment of any kind other than uh, what it takes for you to survive. 
You step into the second seal of consciousness and you are in social consciousness. This is where the social agenda becomes your priority. Acceptance of all, this is where religions, uh, governmental systems, economic systems, and educational systems fit in. It's uh, necessary for you to fit in in order for you to be rewarded. And if you think single-mindedly, you will actually be isolated or punished. Third seal of consciousness is conscious awareness state. This is where you start to believe and understand that there's more than what you have been following as a collective mind intelligence. This is where you start to think out of the box. But this is also where a lot of pain and suffering exists. This is like the starving artists and the painful artists. They get the visionary work, but they usually, they usually demonstrate this through some type of, of, of pain and suffering. They're still seeing themselves as very much a victim of everything around them. Fourth seal of consciousness is what we perceive to be bridge consciousness. This is where you start to bridge in your understanding for being a low conscious being, physical, into a light being. You start to have experiences of unconditional love. You're working towards the aspect of unconditional love. This is where you give up all judgment, but not judgment of other people, judgment of all thought, and your world starts to expand. Then you get into a superconscious state, fifth seal of consciousness. This is where you are living and breathing the truth as it is known. But you are a light being and all expanded oneness of the all. This is where you can stop the aging process. This is where a lot of healing applications take place. And this is where you can readily teletransport in and out of your physical embodiment and go to any dimension or any realm that you choose at any time that you choose. Okay. Then you get into the sixth and the seventh seal of consciousness, which is a Christ conscious state, sixth seal. And then you get it, which is super consciousness, which is where you can literally walk on water. You're creating your world with your thoughts, living completely in the now, not living into the, buying into the illusion around you, living an extraordinarily expanded life of ongoingness. And you no longer die or you no longer lay your physical body down to die. You can readily ascend and descend out of a physical embodiment through your thought process. The seventh seal of consciousness is returning to the all-launching of thought or the ultra-consciousness state. And this is when you have mastered the physical realm and you no longer desire to slow your physical thoughts down to a, to a physical experience and you are off and on uh, to the experience of the all. It's pretty amazing. When you're talking about... The fifth one, this idea that you have this hyper-consciousness, I believe that's actually written by a gentleman. Uh, when they, I, we did an interview about, with the Hermetic Institute, and they talked about hyper-consciousness, and that is when you go beyond your animalistic instincts. But it seems that what you're talking about, the fifth seal, is such a dramatic, dramatic jump from the fourth seal. When you're talking fifth, sixth, and seven areas of consciousness, do you think that by going there – you're pretty much losing the um, the totality of the experience of the physical realm because you, you seem to be so far outside of it. You're only experiencing a minimum amount of it. And, no, uh, actually it's a point where you're mastered it. You're mastering it. So you're no longer limited to the experiences of the illusion that's standing in front of you. But instead you're able to experience Expand that experience into everything extraordinary. So it's a process of expansion, okay, expansion. We don't ever want anybody to think that any seal of consciousness is a bad place 
or a weary place or an unworthy place. Each seal is extraordinary, and each seal must be mastered before you move on to the next. Yeah, and the easy way to look at that is if you talk to, for instance, a first seal consciousness person and they recognize that they're stuck in, in survival, I can guarantee you that the person that doesn't need to survive in their life never wants to get back into that realm, into that existence again. Yeah. They know not to go back there, and they know how to get beyond that and into the next uh, conscious level, so to speak. Um, and this is what the seals of consciousness do, is as you progress through life. Now, remember, the earthly realm, that's why this realm is so popular to everybody, this earthly realm is the only realm that offers you all seven existences. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's definitely the, the smorgasbord applications, where other realms and dimensions deal with one seal at a time, and sometimes soul traverse into other planes and other vortexes and realms to deal with one particular issue that they're really, really struggling with, in which they're going to um, be embraced and saturated with other souls dealing with that exact same perspective. But this plane allows you the variables, the variables. It can seem extremely chaotic, and it can seem very, very confusing, and we understand that. But once you start to get a grasp of truly how powerful you are and that you are the one that is creating your reality through your thought, it is, uh, it's a masterful plane to be on, and it's uh, very well visited by souls for that very reason. Pretty interesting. Uh, what about people who don't want to come back for another period of time? Do you have to go through the seven seals? Can you just live, be an enlightened being and say, well, look, you know what? I, I think I've experienced all that I want to experience within the physical body. I'm ready for a new existence. Do you not have the final authority or the final power? Uh, make an agreement with your higher self. Make an agreement with the source for what you want to call it and say you're ready to move on. Do you, do you have to go through this? Is this some, a school that everyone has to evolve to? So you are correct in your uh, brilliant perspective and knowing that you are at free will component at all times. But most people don't know that. And your thoughts and your perspective continue with you once you are out of physical. So if you are an ignorant being relying on something to save you or something to fix you and you leave a physical realm, you're going to look for something to fix you or something to save you, and you more than likely will return to a physical realm because your thought process believes that resolutions sit here. So you get in your own paradox that is locked in your own accepted thought. That's why we encourage you to expand your accepted thought. Expand it right now, tomorrow, by listening to your programming, Master, by listening to our programming, by listening to any being that will tell you how extraordinary you are. For as you lose your limitations in the physical, you teletransport yourself like rocket fuel in the non-physical experiences. So again, most people in the lower conscious levels somehow believe that this realm is a punishment or some kind of a damaging effect. That's only based on their limited perspective. As you raise your consciousness and you still come back to this plane, you, you love it. It's brilliant. It's magnificent. <laughs> so you very well may decide to come back periodically and have extraordinary experiences and possibly teach 
and possibly renew yourself. But you are correct. We will never dispute ever, ever, ever that you are the creator of your experience. It's just that most people in the physical do not realize that. And so then they buy themselves or play themselves into victimhood and suggestion of others. And that's really when your existence is out of control. Okay. You know, uh, I have so many, I mean, I have to say, you just sparked a series of uh, questions. I guess the first one I want to ask you is, can you be traversing into this reality as an enlightened being? Or let's say enlightened, which means it's um. You're beginning to embrace spirit much more. You're in daily meditations. You've got a lot of good things going. And then you have an event that occurs in the external reality, which pulls everyone into survival mode. Do you think that a catastrophic event like a comet or a nation going to war could actually pull millions of people down to a different seal of existence because you're automatically going in survival mode. What do I need to do to protect myself? What do I need to do to protect my family? And that survival mode maybe overrides any form or thirst or hunger for spiritual enlightenment because all you're worried about doing is protecting your family. I'm just curious to know if you've seen that occur, if that is possible, that various external events have actually been detrimental to the evolution of souls on this planet. What it does, Master, is if you are knocked off your center into the momentary limitation of the altered ego mind, you are absolutely correct. Your reality will collapse temporarily, okay? When you are a masterful, enlightened soul, you know that nothing ceases your existence, that nothing will end you, and therefore anything that takes place on this physical realm will not limit you. You will use every experience to expand you, and thus it does. And even if you leave this physical plane, you may return at any given moment with any given thought. That is an enlightened being. When a being falls backwards, falls backwards into survival, which is an altered ego mind reactive state, they are not a high enlightened being. They are still in the lower seals working their way up. It's all good and it's all extraordinary. But as we stated, first thing in this dialogue, and we will continually support, your perception creates your experience. Your conscious journey into high states of enlightenment will resolve any limited experience that you've ever had. Does that answer your question? Yes, very well. Thank you. You're giving great answers, by the way. You both are doing uh, a great job. And while we're in the middle of the interview, I, I just want to remind everyone real quick that you can learn more about Casey and Brad by going to their website at expandwithjulius.com. And I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were about to say something. No, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was I was just merely going to say uh, that an enlightened being understands that they don't die. Right. Yeah. If energy, if ener- if if the people would understand that energy exists even after you leave this plane of existence, if you really do go back to just mere energy, as so many people would like you to think. Then you realize that you do that you don't die that you just continue on into your next experience. So it doesn't really matter 
what you experience here on this realm of existence as far as what you were saying, the collapsing of the earth right. or a meteor or a war uh, or a disaster. An enlightened being understands it's irrelevant because they just keep on going. Yeah, but you are correct, uh, Ryan, in your perception that massive collective conscious thought does cause an experience. We do support that. Conscious creative collective energy is what it's called. It's written very deep in the Hebrew text, referred to as the Ameth application, where, or in other words, for some people who um, support religion, they would call this maybe the power of collective prayer, which is just really where you get the same like-minded thought sent out into the universe, if you will, as an application, as a suggestion for an experience. And yes, that energy force can very well and more than likely will bring that thought experience to you. That's how powerful everybody is. The key component is to get everybody to understand that's how and why it works is because they are so powerful. And if we could get them to understand that, Perhaps we could get people, number one, paying attention to the thoughts that they process, choosing the thoughts that they process, and raising the thoughts that they process. And then this realm truly could and will shift. Miss Casey Wallace, you must be psychic because I was just about to ask you about organized religion. Right. (laughs) As far as the role of organized religion goes, people... I, I don't know. Across various religions, they they go, they pray. They it seems like they they're projecting their energy on the idea that that God or gods were outside of them, and that they must do penance, and that there's something called sin, and yeah. you know they're not they're not worthy. So, if, if a person is part of an organized religion and they ultimately you know have feel subservient to a supreme being that is outside of themselves, are they always going to be limiting themselves in terms of where their evolution goes? I mean, are they always, can they not go to a certain level? Because how can you fully accept the idea that you are one or, or an infinite spirit or have total freedom when you have this uh, deep, deep soul belief that you are not worthy, that you have a supreme being over you? Same way you did, Master, expanding your thoughts. For you existed at a time where you played into the suggestion of others just as well. But you expanded your mind. You accepted the extraordinary. You accepted the possibility, and you saw more. And so that's how you grow. That's how you expand. And that's what will happen with every soul. That's the good news. It's kind of the guarantee of source being source. It will always expand itself. Will it happen in this lifetime for everyone? No. Will it happen in the next lifetime? Probably not. Will it happen at some point in their existence? Of course it will. The good news, though, is is that you get to make these choices. As long as you deny your empowerment and your accountability and your creative source, you will fall victim to the suggestion of others. When you step up, and proudly display all of your knowing, which is not a demonstration of arrogance, Master, by the way. It is a demonstration of extraordinary compassion and understanding. Then you grow. Then you get more. Then you understand. Then you see that there is alignment of all truth, because truth is the way something feels to somebody. It has very little, if nothing, to do with proof and all about the way something feels. But we say the way you feel should always be moving, 
always be moving. It doesn't mean that your previous truth becomes a lie. It simply means that you have expanded beyond a limited truth into the more. That's what we will tell you. Okay. Do you think that you're providing, if a person goes out and they try to disprove organized religion, and they try to disprove and, and present the futility of collective group thinking, that they are in essence doing something very positive for humanity by helping other people not engage in not engage in those types of thinking, not engage in surrendering their will to a collective group. Well, Master, if you're trying to force a thought process onto anybody, then you are following the exact application of the limited group, forcing their thought onto everybody. What we support is that as you expand, you demonstrate that expansion. You speak always beautifully and eloquently about possibilities of all, of extraordinary, of self, and you display your joy and happiness in being the unlimited, powerful being that you have discovered yourself to be. This will draw people to you, for they sit in their misery life self, and they are looking for an escape. And you simply, by being the extraordinary expanded being, they will come and they will start to listen. As you speak of the love, of the acceptance, of the allowing, they will be drawn to it. So we say you don't have to pound on doors. You don't have to protest. You can simply display and demonstrate from the aspect of love and allowance, and people will be drawn to you. They're really sick and tired of the cleaver on the gaffle application, of the you must accept or you will be punished application. Quite frankly, it's the application of you are wrong and I am right, and that is not the answer. To display all righteousness as a possibility is the healing application. So simply be your expanded self, and you are doing a great job. Okay, thank you. And this, do you, do you call me master? I mean, was that was that was that cracking up? Of course, you are the master of your reality. Are you not? Oh, master! Oh, yeah. Because I was like master. I thought my master. My, I didn't change my name. I know it's Ryan. I'm pretty sure. I was like, wait a second. I mean, I changed my name in the course of the show. I wasn't aware of it. Uh, now, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, just, I just wanted to make sure that now the audience knows. Now, now, now our listeners know. Perhaps the audience should see themselves as masters as well. We think that their life would change if they did. Although they're masters of their, we should see the emails we get from uh, people. They're they're incredible. I love them. So I'd like to ask you both about your background and experiences, Miss Casey Wells. You are a psychic medium. I don't know how you became a psychic, and I'd love to also note from Brad about his near death experience about uh, what happened. So uh, either one, uh, Casey, would you like to start? Sure. I actually consider myself, Ryan, more of a channel, so what you have okay. been listening is Julia speaking to you. So okay. I'm more of an open conduit channel, which just simply allows information to transfer through myself to everybody else. That's really, really what I have grown to become. Having said that, I would support that if you have access to any of your intuitive gifts, you'll find that there's quite a blending of those gifts. So I do thank you in supporting that I'm a medium. I am to a certain extent. My psychic ability uh, is somewhat there. I still try to grow that. But really, we're all just intuitive beings. And for me, it started when I was a child. 
And when I was a very, very small child at around the age of two, I remember seeing people in my room at night and talking to them and then going out in the morning and telling my parents about that. I could see people in the room that most people could not see. And thankfully, my parents never uh, subdued that perspective in me. They always supported it. And so I've always been very blessed to be surrounded that's with energy wonderful. that so is they were not cool dark. So I'm you could say, you know, that was that's cool. They were very wonderful. They were very nice with it. They were thinking, okay, well, I guess there are people walking around that was, right. they weren't us. Wow. Well, they usually what usually would happen is these people would tell me things, and so then when I would tell my parents, you know, this person said this was going to happen or that was going to happen, and then it did happen. Okay, then they kind of started to pay attention and figure <laughs> that, yep, she's receiving information from somewhere. <laughs> you know what? Did you ever utilize your uh, your friends and spirit to help you uh, have a competitive advantage at school? I mean, hey, yeah, you know, yeah. they're ghosts. Uh, we both come from very competitive sports background, so it's funny <laughs> that you said that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I was very – Brad is an extraordinary athlete, uh, but uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good athlete as well. And my father was military, and so we had a rather competitive household. Uh, I want to say that I, I – that with love. I want to say that that wasn't used to stifle us, but really kind of more to inspire uh, the potential in all of us. And, yes, I did use my abilities to my advantage, especially against my brother, at any given opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you can't compete with that. I mean, that's just it's very interesting. And, um, Brad, what happened to you? You said you had a near-death experience, and something amazing happened. You got this great insight, and you came back, and well, you met Casey. And, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest benefits of coming back, that you met your wife. Yeah, well, let me let me even go back a little bit farther than that. Yes. I I actually come from a background of growing up in a very religious family. Yeah. One that is uh, extremely dug in, and uh, religion is the way of life, or yeah. or else. And uh, I always saw people. I uh, recognized that I could see things. And um, at a very young age, I actually talked with a lot of people at a very young age. And it was, uh, I was told that it was the devil. And so, boy, Jeez. that got that got pounded out of me real fast. And then uh, <clears throat> when I got in my car accident and overdosed on medicine that they had given me because I have a brain injury, and uh, they were trying to stop my brain from... Uh, it would constantly just run. It wouldn't shut down. And so they gave me a very uh, addictive, very powerful medicine to shut my brain down at night so I could sleep. And I overdosed on it. And I was gone for eight hours. And, of course, at that moment in my life, that time of my life, I didn't know Casey. So I had true. met Casey. Yeah. Um, so we clarify this. Yeah. I had met Casey because Casey's daughter actually worked for my company. Uh, she was my personal secretary. Um, but I actually didn't really know Casey and the gifts that Casey had. And lo and behold, uh, when I woke up in the hospital room, Casey was standing there uh, next to the bed, and she immediately started talking to me uh feeding me back the information that Julius wanted me to know 
while I was laying there in bed. It freaked the doctor out, and he's never talked to me since. <laughs> yeah. So. But Brad, Brad uh, visited with uh, yeah. you know, he visited with Julius while he was gone. Yeah. So he got to he got to have this really cool uh, conversation. You know, imagine that. You know, imagine being able to leave your body and and ask questions and, and get watch, answers. You know, and bring watched, back with you. Yeah, I watched <laughs> what was going on here. I had I I tried to explain to people it was like the picture in picture uh, idea. Of I was actually able to see what was going on here on this realm of existence while walking around and standing around and watching them work on me and try to revive me. And still, uh, I was able to experience the other experience at the same time. And they were literally explaining to me what was going on, why I was experiencing what I was experiencing, and uh, received a lot of other information got to see a lot of cool things um so you know that was a that was a fabulous experience for me that's one of now when you're you're out do you see what are some of the visuals that you're seeing are you do you go up the whole death tube and meet god and see people you haven't talked with in a while i mean what what was your visually speaking your experience like well the the fascinating thing to me was that when i made reference earlier to the energy concept but if you, uh, which, by the way, to me at the time, was not a concept that I was even aware of, that you were energy. Um, I knew that energy existed because of science at school, but I never really was able to compute that into the human experience and understand that everything that you see, touch, taste, even your body all has energy to it, and everything emits a certain energy. And, of course, you you attract to you what your energy attracts. And I was able to see colorations. I was able to hear sounds and tonalities. What a lot of people don't understand is when you leave this realm of existence that everyone has a specific tone to them, that you operate more on a frequency level because of the energy than you do in the physical level because of your body. That's why you literally leave your body here on this realm of existence. You go back to, uh, we refer to it as the light being stage. Well, if you understand light, light has a particular color to it, has a particular speed to it, and it has a specific tone to it, and that's what you return back to. Did you feel like you had contact with people, loved ones, when you were Oh, there? I had got the opportunity to talk with uh, people that I had experienced other lifetimes with, as well as got the opportunity to talk with people, uh, loved ones from my experience here. Um, so, and that was uh, quite an eye-opening experience with them. Now, this being Julius, yes. is this being can, – can either of you tell if this was a – uh, former a child of yours in a previous life incarnation, or a, a beloved friend that has chosen to play the role as yeah. guidance while you are in the physical body for this time. What is your what is your ultimate? Do you guys have any previous ties with Julius? Oh yes, uh, Julius and I have spent many 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 lifetimes together. Uh, this particular lifetime, we chose not to spend time together. Uh, Julius uh, left in our previous experience um i get a little choked up over this so julius left uh existed about 1500 years ago this is a lifetime that brad had with him 
in that lifetime, Brad was the teacher to Julius and spoke to Julius of high enlightenment possibility and more expanded thought. And in that lifetime, Brad also sustained a brain injury. And when they came, when they, when they died off and in coming back, incarnating back to this life, Julius did not reincarnate themselves. They were able to grow in their expanded consciousness to not return to physical. They kind of kept an eye on Brad, kind of, uh, kind of made contact with Brad. We think that Julius was probably one of those beings or one of those people that Brad saw when he was a child. But when Brad sustained a brain injury again in this life and went through a process of massive forgetfulness, Julius then now has stepped forth to teach Brad or remind Brad of the things that Brad knew. So this is an extraordinary friendship, you know, that they have where they've kind of agreed to help each other out in the physical life, uh, help grow their consciousness and uh, help people, you know, to be more. I suppose we all have this, you know, we all have these extraordinary souls and beings, you know, that we kind of traverse around with or ask for help from, kind of hopefully like we are with our friends here in the physical plane. But, yeah, they've got a long, long history together. Uh, it's pretty fun and it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I apologize for that. I, <laughs> it's I, I, mean, no, I think it's wonderful. I mean, it shows that, you know, you, 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 you have the heart, the passion, and it's real. It, it's really. a very uh, moving experience for me to be able to recall those experiences with Julius. Um, and part of the reason we named the group Julius was because of the effect, the empowering effect of the name and the authority that goes with that name uh, from so many different people. You know, there are people listening right now who are wondering, hey, do I have a Julius in my life? Is, is there a being that wants to communicate with me that I can make a connection with that, you know, can help me out on my uh, on my, on my SAT scores and, you know, that I can, can kind of be a guiding light? How do people establish a connection with well, a being out there? Yeah. But also, I just want to, I think, be really careful about this. Not just establish a connection with the being, but establish a connection with the being with true intentions because I mean, it's so easy to, like, well, to say, I want to make a connection with the being, and next thing you know, you've got the new uh, Conjuring film out there. No, no. Right. a light being with peaceful intentions <laughs> that doesn't want to take over your soul and you know make you do crazy stuff. Thank you for thank yeah. you for clarifying always, that. Let, yeah. Maybe I can sum it up this way: always be careful of what you ask for. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so what, what we what we say is this: you will always have an experience to match your thoughts. Always. So if you are a angry deeply seated in paranoia, judgmental, uh, controlling, manipulative person, then you're going to connect with other beings that match your frequency. That is the truth. That's the quintessential law of attraction. Okay? In order to guarantee that you will connect with high, loving, light, intelligent beings, then be high, loving, and light and intelligent. Be open-minded, be compassionate, be extraordinary, and you will always have the connection of, e of what, what uh, equals, you know, each other energetically. That's the answer to that. So don't be afraid. Don't be judgmental. Don't be angry and trying to connect with something 
that's just suddenly going to inspire you without ramifications of something possibly less than. You have to get yourself into a state of not being afraid, of being open-minded, of being compassionate, of being allowing and being loving and look for inspiration. But the truth is, is that inspiration comes in all forms, Master. It comes mostly just through your thought process. Where do you think your inspiring thoughts come from? Where do you think musicians access for their lyrics? Where do you think artists access for their palettes? Where do you think journalists access for their stories? This is an extraordinarily open, ongoing state. It's just that most humans don't recognize it. They cast it off as empowerment to others rather than their own empowered self simply being open. We would encourage you to be open-minded and ask for it. Ask for the connection. Someone please connect with me. I am looking for things that are differential than what is obviously in front of me. I am casting off the thought of coincidence and know that there's no such thing, that everything is and everything is true. And I'm going to stop talking myself out of the connections. When I get that chill up my spine, when I get that feeling in my gut, when I see the flash of light out the side of my eye, I'm going to know that they're there. And simply by knowing, it becomes. That's what we would tell you is mostly to simply stop denying it and you will be overwhelmed with the bombardment of possibilities. That's awesome. And one thing we've talked a lot about on our show, Casey and Brad, is the significance and importance of looking at your shadow, transcending um, things within you, the pain and the suffering. And the reason why is because I guess on the surface level, you may seem nice, you may seem cool, but maybe there's something deep in your subconscious or deep in your soul. Maybe it happened this lifetime, maybe it happened several lifetimes, where it, it's it's a blot, it's a darkness, it's something there that maybe that you want to push out that, that doesn't have a light shined upon it. I ask to you, if you feel that it's important for a person to really work on themselves, do the shadow work before asking for the help of a guided being, knowing that if they don't clear out their shadow, if they don't go deep enough and at least look at themselves at least once and try to work on some of these other things, they could pull into their existence a like vibrational frequency of being that appears to be light, but ultimately it may have an intention that may not be in the best interest of the person they seek to uh, work with. Well, we would tell you, Master, that none of you would make connection because everybody's got a splotch. Okay? <laughs> I'm talking about so, something significant where it's like, you know, hey, I like it, but at the same time, I want to eat you. Having like said it. that, having said that, we support that you don't dwell on the past and you don't dwell on the sadness and the fear. Live right now, Master, and embrace everything that created you in the now. Instead of judging any aspect of yourself as bad or dark, why not embrace and love it and understand that it expanded you? By doing that, you will raise the vibration of the experience itself, and you're in no worries land. No worries land is when you love yourself completely. Work on that. Everyone needs to work on that. Because God, if you will, or what we support is the source of all thought, is all thought. All thought simply is. It is the launching pad and the substance that converts your knowing. And so it is all beautiful and magnificent and valuable. And when you get yourself 
strongly into that perspective, that's when you become unleashed. So don't dwell. Just practice the art of new thought, new possibility and allowance, and you'll grow. You'll get better, you'll get better, you'll get stronger, you'll get more supportive, and you will be able to choose your experience through the choosing of your thoughts in every single moment of now. We see and know this of all of you. All it takes is for you to convert your knowing in a moment, and you will be transformed. Excellent. It's Casey Wallace. Brad Wallace, I want to remind everyone that the website's called expandwithjulius.com. I want to come back to your series, Ghosts of the Caribbean, Dead People Do Tell Tales. Your experience in communicating with these ghosts that are there, do you find that if there weren't other people surrounding areas and coming in contact with these ghosts, that had some of the habits that the ghost had. Say, for example, uh, a ghost was drinking very heavily, and there's a regular group of alcoholics that are coming on there, mm-hmm. and that ghost kind of like piggybacks on that person, kind of like becomes part of energy. Do Good. you think that the, the spirits would eventually be starved out and would have to go because there'd be no source for them to, to no more people for them to piggyback on? Excellent question. Yeah. That's got to be one of the Fabulous. best that's, questions that's, that somebody has asked us. Thank you, Thank you for that. Thank because you. I, because I honestly want to tell you, that is literally what is happening so on true. this island yes. that we were shooting on. Not just the one island, but the bay, we call it the Bay Island, the, bay the Caribbean islands off the, off the coast of South America, which is where all of these pirates traversed. And just like we said earlier, and you grasped it then, as well as carrying it on to now, collective creative thought empowerment. So you're right. The perception lingers and it draws and it supports. You're right. If these islands could, well, for the lack of better words, clean up their act as far as their attitude and their perceptions, they would be able to kind of clean this energy out. You're right. There's a kind of a, there's a clinging effect, a clinging effect. That is a truth. That is a truth. And when these pirates, and not just the pirates, but a lot of the other souls that have left also, are in that survival mode, angry mode, violent mode, they they do need some help. They need some lifting up. They need some clearing because they don't really have the ability to do it themselves. Yeah, we also need. I, I also have to interject in here. Uh, when when most people think of pirates, they merely think of men uh, oh, yeah. that were pirates, but men. I'm telling you, there were enough feet. There's enough female energy down there. You talk about women scorned, okay? You get a woman that has turned into a pirate, and good holy hell, oh wait, my. Let you, oh you, know, my you want to give your good graces to the men? Oh, you, yeah. you, I'm serious. I'm serious. It, yeah. In fact, we're we're adding on to this series. We're yeah. getting ready to leave again uh, the last of February. We're actually going back down to shoot. Some more film, yeah. and that whole uh, production is just going to be on the female yeah. energy pirates that are in that 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 run around those enter- those islands. Yeah. So you're, with this programming, what we're trying to do is is bring some uh, a little bit more information to people about ghosts. 
rather than just the ooh, scary aspect. You know, so many ghost programs just have a rattled camera and flashing lights and everybody screams and, oh, there's a boogeyman in here, and they leave, and we're like, okay, well, what is that going to do for you? What is that? This is going to provide a little bit deeper perspective. Uh, We actually have conversations with these pirates. They want to be heard. They want their story to be heard. They want to be acknowledged, just like all of us do here. And we're hoping that through the viewing of this type of programming, which is really fun and dramatic and interesting uh, and stimulating, that a very intelligent person will be able to grasp that we're making suggestions into your current state of life to learn to listen better, to learn to communicate better, and learn ways to resolve issues in your life now. That's excellent. I'm curious, when when people go to these islands and they go to the places where the pirates were, do you ever think that, you know, some people go to the gift shop and they they say, listen, I I want to go to the gift shop to get a memento from my my trip here, that they may actually wind up taking a ghost home with them because the ghost – finds that person's energy so incredible or they're so attracted to the energy that they're willing to release themselves from the pain and suffering of a traumatic incident and go with that uh, being in order to utilize them as a source of uh, yep. energy for the rest of the duration. Well, Welcome this, to my world. Yeah, this, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, this actually, uh, this actually goes back to that comment that I've, I've said it twice now, energy. Yeah, Jacob, um, Jacob followed us from Utah. Yeah, he followed us back here where we lived in Utah and talked to us Jeez. quite a while until we could get back to uh, Roatan, actually. Yeah. But if you understand the energy concept and the way energy works. Yeah, it's not contained. It's not contained. Yeah. It's everywhere. So the mere fact that you're buying a seashell that came off the ocean floor or uh, – an artifact that somebody wore or they dug up or manufactured, just the fact that the energy that surrounds that has any of this energy attracted to it in marketing certainly sends that energy out and you be and it creates more energy for it. And that's why number one, pirates are such a huge uh box office uh, to Hollywood and television, Um, the mere fact the pirates do that, and the fact that this energy is distributed everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, There's a movie called Pirates of the Caribbean, one of Uh of the most largest, most popular films of all time, series of films. You think that because people have begun to focus their attention and pour their energy onto it, is that actually strengthening the, um, the, the, the ghosts? Is that giving them uh, more life source or more vibrancy and more of a reason to stick around and not go because there's such a fascination with it amongst the public? It's actually, we think it's kind of giving them an opportunity to be heard. Right. That's really what we think it is. With that opportunity, we want to give them the opportunity to be released. In this program, you'll see some of that. So you'll see me communicating with certain ghosts, and at the end of the conversation, we kind of do our best to send them on their way. And uh, and so, uh, again, we feel like this ghost series that we're providing is not just giving you more expanded information, but also showing you how to resolve things, um, providing resolution for them. Uh, that's the intention of all of this. So, yes, as people have grown in this day and age 
to refocus on piracy due to the, of course, beautiful, uh, dramatic demonstration that Johnny Depp brings and all of the, you know, fun, spicy characters of this, of this series. It's really just digging up a point of history that many people have kind of cast off and forgotten. So, yeah, it really just gives them a platform, a platform to speak to you with. Mr. Brad and Ms. Casey Wallace, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You're host of the series, Ghosts of the Caribbean, Dead People Do Tell Tales. You learn more about them by going to the website at expandwithjulius.com. We're going to post a link to it on our site. Thank you both so much for being with us. I, thought I really enjoyed our interview today. Thank, thank you, you so very much, so very much. And we look forward to hopefully your listeners uh, catching a view of our series. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guests, Mr. Brad and Ms. Casey Wallace. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace love and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>